Like back in the old days. Like back in the day. When? When were the old days? Ten years ago for me. Oh. I'm only 23. I don't know. <laughs> What's up, Luke? I'm good. How are you? Good. I don't exactly know how to start this one. It's fine. We can just uh, start waffling. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but... Let's do like we normally do. Yeah, we always just hang out in here and chat for a bit. And always good chats. So we're going to talk about ADHD and how everyone has it. Everyone in the world, apparently. Because I swear to God, every every time you mention it, people, oh my God, I do that. I, I have ADHD. So I think everyone really does. And I don't think it's for the reasons that everyone thinks. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to know that it needs to be medicated the same way that we've been medicating it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that. But also, I'm not a, I'm not a authority on anything, so take everything with a grain of salt. Sure, let's get but, into it. Yeah, <clears throat> um, I've just noticed how how ubiquitous it seems to be as a a problem that we're all um, sort of facing. I feel yeah. like. Being in school, I'm talking to so many people all the time, and everyone in our generation seems to have ADHD. So I'm curious. Uh, I guess I should let you introduce yourself and mm. what you uh, study and who you are. Yeah. Who, who are you? Sure, sure. I am Luke. I wish uh, I remembered how to say that in Dutch. My name? No, hold on, hold on. Who are you in Dutch? Yeah, yeah. There's one thing you always hate. I know, I knew it's hate, but I'm trying to think of the others. No, you'll have to Who say it. Hate you. Who, Who hates hate you? Who hates you? So, my you name hate. is Luke. Um, I'm a second year master student right now. I am Dutch. And I originally come from Rotterdam, but right now I am studying in Amsterdam. Where I'm at Baylor. Where we've been starting to have amazing so conversations true. about a variety of subjects. Mm-hmm. Including this one, actually. Yeah. Yeah, we talk about ADHD from time to time, just... Uh, on our own time, um, sort of getting our thoughts out on, because I think we both safely might say we have it. I mean, I, yes, I officially have it. I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've never been diagnosed uh, officially, I guess, but my, mm-hmm. my, I was doing therapy last year and yeah, my therapist said, you probably have this. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, it all makes sense. Yeah. Like, and it kind of explained it to me. And he said it might be ADHD, it might be ADD. I don't super yep. know the difference. Yep. So if you know the difference, well, we might have to talk about that. But yeah, um, but yeah I think it's it's way more common than, than yeah. we think. No, you're yeah. right. Like So if you look at the statistics, the prevalence have gone up. And of course, that doesn't reflect necessarily the things that we're thinking about right now. But yeah, definitely, I get the feeling as well. Like anytime you speak to someone, you ex- try to explain A to Z, then that person will be like, yeah, I think I got ADHD as well then. And everyone says too. Yeah. I haven't been diagnosed, but 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 I think I yeah. agree with all of these symptoms, all of this like yeah. I, all of that applies to me. And that just always makes me think like, oh my god, like what is happening? Like when I when I talk to everybody that no one seems to have been diagnosed, but everyone yep. has it. Yeah. I'm like, this doesn't even seem medical anymore. Yeah. Like this seems like a like a social thing, like a a, yeah. a societal problem. Which I guess is how I'll get into the the first. Uh, I recently read this book, The Burnout Society by Byung Chul Han. Uh, I think I talked about it in the episode with Emma, maybe briefly. You did, you did. Okay, nice, yeah. 
But uh, basically, to summarize, the Burnout Society is a philosophical critique of modern society, which argues that we're facing a new form of social exhaustion and burnout. Um, according to Han, burnout is caused by the overwhelming pressure to constantly perform and produce in today's society, which is driven by neoliberal ideologies that emphasize individual achievement and competition. Would you agree? I 100% agree. Like I tried to write down some stuff about this this topic beforehand, and then you showed me this summary, and I was like, "Well, this is just in nicer words, actually." Yeah. But yeah, no, I'll, no, I'll I say it too. This I did read this book, but this is an AI summary. Yeah. That I I asked the chat. <laughs> Which is even better. <laughs> it's so good too. I'll, I'll keep I'll keep reading it, um, just in case you want to read this book as well. Yeah. Uh, this constant demand to succeed leads to a state of perpetual exhaustion as individuals push themselves to their limits and experience anxiety, depression, and other forms of mental and physical distress. Han argues also that our society's emphasis on positivity and self-optimization further contributes to burnout. Uh, we're constantly encouraged to improve ourselves and present a happy, successful facade, uh, which puts way more pressure on everybody to perform to their highest capability. Facts. It's just facts. it's just facts by straight so facts. Far. I really feel this. Like yeah. I mean, I when I was reading this, that's actually the main thing I write in books. Is just I write the word facts in the margins <laughs> next to everything <laughs> I agree with. You so. also did it on your own stuff. I saw you wrote facts on something you wrote yourself. That's amazing. <laughs> I can't even remember. I know I did that recently, yeah. <laughs> and I don't remember what it was. But yeah, sometimes I agree with myself too. But yeah, basically. He, he discusses ADHD as an example of how society pathologizes normal behavior in order to maintain its emphasis on productivity and efficiency. He argues that ADHD has become a, a cultural phenomenon rather than a medical one, and that mm -hmm. it's a product of our society's focus on performance and achievement. Yeah, yeah. Um, the symptoms of ADHD, as he says, difficulty concentrating and hyperactivity are not necessarily indicative of a medical condition, but rather a natural response to our society's demands for constant productivity and stimulation. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'll end that summary there and just say from a couple of years ago when I started to think about this more, I feel like I got the sense that, I don't know, a friend, a different friend and I, I think we're talking about it being like part of evolution. Like it's an adaptation that we all have. Like the ADHD is just sort of our new format or our, our new um, factory settings almost just for dealing with the new environment around us. But it almost, I'm curious if you agree with that or if you think it's a lack of adaptation so far. Like if the world is changing really fast and we're not quite caught up to it yet. So <clears throat> I read about this recently and it's actually neither of both. It's more like an evolutionary mismatch. Mm. So like some of the genes responsible for ADHD are also responsible for like novelty seeking, right? And so there are some situations some habitats where this is way more important than others and mm. right now we're in a habitat where it's the, the genes for adhd are not seen as effective anymore or productive within our society i guess um but what i find interesting the is genes like, for adhd yeah like but like what we're discussing right now as uh -huh. well is that like we we feel like there's a surge in people reporting that they've got adhd yep but now i'm thinking like didn't ADHD already start when just education started? And so there's this mismatch, actually. Um, and the genes that are responsible for ADHD, they not necessarily like cause ADHD. They just predispose you to develop ADHD hmm. because it's a neurodevelopmental disorder. It's an early developmental disorder? It's a neural neurodevelopmental. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
So the genes actually change the way you interact with your environment. Mm. And so, and that this is where it gets interesting, right? Because like, okay, so probably me, as I have ADHD, I've got some of these genes, but then the people that we're speaking with right now that are also reporting that they have symptoms or they've got problems, we cannot neglect this. So oh. if they if they feel like they've got ADHD, well, then, then maybe they have ADHD. If they yeah. feel like they're not holding up to societal requirements, then this is an issue regardless of whether it's biologically based or whatever. But then I'm thinking like, wait, so there's two types of ADHD. There's like the, perhaps the ones that are more caused by biology and the ones that are more caused by just like way too high standards. Yeah, true. It's interesting too, like, not that I, I, I think it's one of those I, I again I still hesitate to call it a disorder because I, I I don't like that word much I feel like it it like is this negative connotation means yeah. that we'd be out of order somehow which again I feel like is I, this is just an adaptation it's just us yeah. uh, responding to the world around us so I feel like I, I don't like disorder much but this affect I don't know whatever mm-hmm. is like it's not something people I think maybe at first people kind of gatekeep it like, well, I've been diagnosed or whatever, and you haven't been diagnosed, maybe. Like, then it was kind of like that. Yeah. But now I feel like people all just kind of, like, yeah. again, even if you have, I see most people say, oh, I haven't been diagnosed, but we all go, yep, the way of the world. You know, yeah. like, we all kind of just accept that. Yeah. Um, so I, w- I wonder what's changed even in the last couple of years where it's become even more. Um, I mean, obviously, we're more inundated with technology yeah. and all this stuff. Yeah, so 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 to get some things straight, sure. like we first, the first thing we thought about ADHD is that we we could only see like this this hyperactive boy, but like we didn't even regard girls. So of course, research has developed a lot. So there's more yeah. diagnosis, <laughs> like just a, a scientific field in general. Okay, like research on ADHD was I think only done on boys, and mm. only now are we starting to see like symptoms. Uh, how these symptoms display themselves in girls? We just neglected it. That's yeah. that's that's basically yeah. it. Um, so the fact that it's rising right now, the number of diagnoses, um, that also has to do with the fact that um, we're now more capable of of, of seeing patterns in, yeah. in people. Yeah. Yeah. That it takes time, I think, to see that. Uh, you know, if, if this is true and it's part of um, a pattern of things speeding up and everything being more inundating and mm-hmm. all that, like yeah then I think we're just now getting to the point where we can start to see that um, as the cause. Because it's true. Like, the, we're probably the first generation to grow up in that yeah. in that society where, like, other generations have, have started to be affected by this. I hear a lot of millennial, like, 30-year-old people start to talk about, my attention span is shit now. Like, I can't, yeah. I can't pay attention anymore. Yeah. Which is, so it's affecting all of us. But I think we've just grown up with it. Like, yeah. So we almost feel like it's natural. Uh, yeah we do like but it's also because like we've just our surroundings are way more distractful than it was like mm. I'm not trying to hate on TikTok but like TikTok is a prime example to give just yeah. like with the dopamine curve and stuff so not only do our societal uh, like requirements actually increase with regard to productivity and attention but we also just creating this world that it's more distracting and there's way more ways in, into which you can get distracted by technology, for example. And, and it demands more, I think, too. Like, mm. I feel like distractions, too, you can you have the option to ignore. But for, for some reason, a lot of the time, I feel like I can't delete certain apps. Yeah. I can't. Because yeah. we all communicate somewhere. Or we all, like, 
I, I feel like I'd be making myself a hermit if I deleted yeah. Instagram or something. And it's like, I, I just, sometimes I just genuinely don't want it there, but I feel like it, you almost isolate yourself. I feel by, like you have to. Yeah, almost, yeah. It's like, it's, it's the new social world. Like, I feel like I used to think like uh, I deleted and I'm going to live in the real world and be outside yeah. and whatever. But now it's like, well, how am I going to tell my friends I'm going wherever? You know, like it, it just starts to feel like most interactions are virtual and fleeting. And um, and de- I don't know that the demands are online. Yeah. Yeah. And then what's even worse is that like the apps that we use, for instance, TikTok or Instagram, they just made these continuous scroll options. Uh, yeah. So that like. Like now you're you you were concentrated, but then just completely on the wrong things. I guess, like it's a hyper focus on the distraction, and that's even worse. Do you remember like being on Instagram when you could scroll to the end, like, yes, uh, like when you got to the end of whatever had been posted yeah. for a day or something. And like, then I was I up like to I date with all my friends, and it was fine. And then I knew yeah. like, okay, Baylor did this, <laughs> he did this. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah, I finished. I finished Instagram for today. <laughs> and then they they decided to make it more addictive. Actually. I, <laughs> It's so crazy how they did it because I feel like every time I, I hated the update, but then within a month I'm like, it's my again it's my new world it's my new reality like, mm. I just don't question it after a bit. I mean you use it every day so yeah. literally three days and you're you forget the the previous update probably. So true yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah it's not only the um, and that's 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 the hardest part about it right like, as you said in the summary of the book they mm-hmm. say like. Burnout also arises from this constant battle between self-improvement, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, even though society is increasing the requirements and stuff, so it's like it's almost like a lost battle or a lost cause. Yeah. And then you know, if you get the the label ADHD, you get diagnosed. I mean, it 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 explains a lot of problems in life, right? Like sure. things you're first were like, okay, shit, I'm just bad at stuff. Now you're just like, yeah. okay, you know, damn, I got a condition. I'm I'm supposed <laughs> yeah. to not be able to do this. Yeah. Um. I was always worried too that it would become an excuse. Like, mm. I don't know. Like, uh, I, again, I, I don't know which is worse. Like, I, I used to just think I was a slow reader, f- mm-hmm. for example. And um, when my therapist was telling me, "Oh, you might have ADHD," I thought, "Oh, like I'm not stupid. Like, yeah. I'm not. Uh, like maybe it's just, you know, a condition, whatever." Yeah. Um, no, you're but right. Then I was like, kind of upset that I knew that because. Then I started to say that to people. I'd be like, well, it's hard for me to read. I have ADHD. And I started to feel like I was putting an obstacle between me and being able to read better. You know, like ADHD, it, I know it's a, we, we medicalize it. Is that a word? Medicalize? Yeah. Sure. And um, and it, it feels real and it is it is observable. But I also feel like it's something that we, again, since it's a, a symptom, not a not the root cause. I feel like I, I forget that you can treat that and that you can like, that I can literally try and focus mm-hmm. on a book I'm reading and, um, and become better at it. Yeah. Like, I feel like it, it is tempting to hide behind the, a symptom yeah. and not, um, but it makes only sense. Like the, the, the first thing I did when I, when I, when I had, ADHD, when I learned I had ADHD was like, okay, so this is the cause of my problems. Yeah. So, and to solve this, I've got medication. So if I don't take medication, I've got a problem. It's it, you cre- you get this fixed mindset immediately because like it's like okay, here you go. Here's a external solution. Here's a pill. Uh huh. Whereas just saying like okay, you need to 
find some strategies to train your attention or to improve your working sphere. Yeah. I didn't got those. Like for me, it was like, here you go, take some pills. Yeah. From That's a young age. I mean, I, yeah. so I, I was never medicated for mm-hmm. uh, ADHD. I'm, I'm curious about that. Like, what was your yeah. experience with that? Like, so I think I got medicated in like, uh, in Dutch, it's group five. So I guess it's like 10, 10 years old, I think. That's okay. a safe bet. Yeah. Still feels kind of young, but it it's is true. young. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm 23. So I'm literally. What, what, what medication was this? This is Ritalin. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they're giving you Ritalin at age 10. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of that's nuts. true. And I'm still on it. Like, like wow. if I think about it, that's crazy that I'm like, oh, like, thirteen years, twelve years on medication. That's, wild. that's even yeah. that's and even you, more wild. And I mean, I know it works for people too. Like, that's the thing. Ritalin. I don't know. I hear about it a lot that I should be taking. Ritalin, yeah. But I'm dep- scared of it, though. I don't. Yeah. It depends a little bit. Like, uh, you know, so it works. It it helps me with my symptoms. I can, yeah. I can study better. But at the same time, you know, I did get this functional dependency on it because I thought, okay, I'm too distracted to even make an appointment with the doctor. I need I need medication because I've got ADHD. I cannot concentrate. Mm-hmm. It was this fixed mindset I had, this this negative self image with regard to uh, you know symptoms of ADHD. Yeah, like you you kind of internalize this 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 label, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Very true. So yeah, it it helps, but at the same time, giving pills as a solution doesn't really solve the problem external solutions altogether i think are like that i mean uh i've told you now i guess i'll tell everybody i've been trying to quit smoking weed and so proud mm-hmm. thank you but i feel like that was my even before i realized because i i always viewed um smoking weed as a recreational activity mm-hmm. and then as i was talking to my therapist about it and talking about the ways that I use it and how he would say, are you avoiding your problems or whatever? I'd be like, no, I really don't think so. Like mm-hmm. it really helps me with, with my stress. It slows my thoughts down. I can't like, I can focus on the things I'm doing. You know, I might only be able to focus on one thing, you know, and I kind of zone out to everything else, but, but it does help with stuff. And he was mm-hmm. like, well, it sounds like you're medicating your ADHD with weed. It just doesn't medicate all the parts of it, you know, like, right. So I think we each have like a medication that works. Yeah. Like I, I loved um, the way that that slowed me down. Like, yeah. But I think it, uh, you know, everything has side effects. So I don't know. And and again, like you said, using any external um, fix to to treat a symptom is not always addressing the root cause. Yeah. And like the, the one thing you want to avoid is that you get this habit of like not being able to do it unless you take that external solution. Yeah. Um, because then you're just starting to get in this fixed mindset again, thinking like, okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not capable of solving this without any external yeah. stuff, right? And only recently, like since the, the last two years or so, um, I've been really discovering new ways to increase attention, obvious ones, just not sitting in a, in a like a very loud place, just like mm. zoning out and, and, and isolating myself and just, Setting the mood, some tea, nice lo-fi music, stuff like this. Yeah. Um, and I've actually been able to like decrease the amount of medication that I've been taking because like nice. I'm still on the same prescription as I was literally like six years ago. And yeah. now I'm using like one sixth of that. And oh wow. Like it's crazy that well, for me at least personally there weren't there weren't any professionals that were asking like, Hey, you're you're still okay. You're still good mm-hmm. with the with the drugs and stuff. Like yeah. nobody. But that's mm. that's a personal case. I perhaps I could have I could have reached out more actually. Mm. I mean, 
No, I feel you. Yeah. But yeah, so it goes to show like how medication with ADHD can lead to a fixed mindset. But we need to find different ways because there's more people right now experiencing ADHD. Yeah. So yeah, we need to find more no, ways. That's, a, in that's which a good to segue because I, I just had this question prepared. Like, what can we do about that? Like, it seems very daunting a lot of times that, again, this is a societal thing. It's much bigger than any one of us as individuals. Mm. Like we said, it's hard to quit Instagram and, and have yeah. that be the fix because it's uh, all of these things seem unsustainable where when you know that this is the way the world is going. But like, do you see any ways that we can stop demanding achievement from ourselves or stop um, trying to consume so much or distract ourselves? Like, I, I've stopped. I've tr- I've kind of been trying to stop. Uh, like, I can I can tell from a little voice in me when I'm just distracting myself yeah. out of boredom. Like, <laughs> when I'm literally like sitting in my room like watching a video but not really watching it and just on my phone or something i'm like why am i doing three things you know like can i do one thing right now mm-hmm. i don't know i think just at, that's been a helpful question for me but yeah. are, are there other ways that you feel like you can quit expecting yeah. so much from yourself or quit um i don't know like, yeah no i, I get it like, yeah so it's well First thing we can do is like change whole society and all the requirements that it has for us. But easy done. It's kind of hard. Let's do it. A lot of people have been thinking about it already, I guess. <laughs> yeah. um, no, but honestly, that's like you know, it's 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 it, that that's a hard one. Yeah. Another thing I was thinking about is like, you know, we we actually one other potential cause is that like we're actually allowing children at a very young age to use iPhones and iPads and be on TikTok. Um, and I'm not saying it's necessarily bad, but I can think. But it can have these effects. Yeah. On yeah, the, yeah. On the, on the, I, I heard somebody the other day talking about a kid on an iPad and they said, I watched them like play like eight games in two minutes, like, like where they wouldn't play one game and play and try and beat a level or something. Nope. It was like, I'm going to play this game and then I'm going to play this game and then I'm going to play this one. Oh, well, like yeah. just rapid fire. Uh, no goal, like goal that, that kind of freaks me yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean like, and then when you think about the fact that, for these type of children, like their brain is still developing and their visual attention is also literally just developing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can hypothesize some ways in which this 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 makes you more distractible. Um, and so, but the thing is then, okay, so now we're gonna tell parents to change their way of parenting. That's also hard. We can we cannot really say, okay, don't let your children be on iPads or iPhones. Yeah. You know, we're we're trying to find some practical stuff here. Yeah. And then the other the other thing I was thinking about is okay so then if we cannot change the world perhaps we can just equip people better to deal with it so and this is where education comes in right yeah like perhaps we can just educate children better to equip them with the tools to deal with distractions like mindfulness mm. like learning how to learn things like this that's a really nice idea yeah I like but it's I hate the fact that like we're sort of accepting the fact that the society is kind of so we're now just teaching people doing to deal damage with it. limitation yeah <laughs> uh, yeah that yeah i mean perhaps we're at this point right now yeah society. one of my favorite quotes i say it all the time like it's from this movie 180 degrees south um taking a 180 degree turn and taking a forward step in the other direction is still progress and i think about that all the time because it's like I, I i think we're always scared to admit that we've gone too far and that we've lost our way mm-hmm. but i 
I'm not I'm not convinced that we can't still like turn things around. I yeah. I don't I'm not hopeful per se. <laughs> I don't I don't see that happening. I just I think that's always an option and I yeah. feel like people are always like I think it's a pride thing that I hope we get over at some point where we could learn to to turn around and take a forward step in the other direction. Mm. I see. Yeah. Yeah. I try to be naive. I try to be like, okay, we're going to change this. Me too. I'm such an it. optimist. And yeah, but I, otherwise I'm like, yeah, <laughs> the, the other option is being a pessimist and then I'm not motivated anymore. Then I'm like, yeah, exactly. well, does it even matter? So Yeah. But um, I think this is like, a, this might be, a, well, this is, well, this is what I, you know, thought about. I'm doing educa uh, child development and education as a master. Yeah. And, you know, I was, when I did finish my bachelor's in neuroscience, I was thinking, okay, what should I do as a master? What can I, how can I help the world with research? I always, I always wanted to be, become a researcher. Mm -hmm. And I really thought, okay, the, the one safe option is education because all the others are still going to be one aspect of all kinds of problems. And with education, I thought, you know. And it's like you're trying to put a Band-Aid on society versus trying to form society in a new way. Like, I feel like from it, with education, you get to start earlier and really work on how we develop from a young age. I, yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that you took that. But still, we're changing I, the ways future contestants of society are behaving. So, like, we are sort of like, I don't know, changing the future societies by yeah. changing children, how they grow up and stuff. Yeah. No. Yeah, I, I mean, so in terms of education, I'm curious how you grew up in education, what it was like for you. Um, were you in the Dutch education system, like pri yeah, public? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, yeah, so public high school, I think yeah. that will be the equivalent that I did. Because we also got private high schools. So mm -hmm. different. Yeah, so for me... Even from a young age, what, what, you know, what do you remember? What was your favorite subject? What do you remember mm. liking? Like, what, give me, give me your, yeah, yeah, your yeah. personal history. Uh, like, and what makes school. you now look back on that and think that you want to change the way that that uh, is done? So, during high school, mm -hmm. what I mostly, I don't know, what I want to highlight here is like how toxic high school can be actually so true um, although you develop and like you you form groups in high school and you learn about stuff you make errors it's all fine mm -hmm. but there's actually some people that like you know because they've been bullied at high school they've now got like mental scars and like actual Real traumas. Been, yeah yeah so that's high school is actually a it might be a dangerous place <laughs> think about it like that yeah and for me i i think i barely survived it i i like i participated in toxicity as well yeah, I I joined several groups. I tried to make friends with everybody, and I tried to be cool and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, mostly that was it actually. Like, I I really wanted to be cool at high school. Yeah, that's what I was. And then coming to uni and just realizing, oh, you don't need like expensive clothes. You don't need to be like super duper fit to become cool. Yeah, that was big revelations for me. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. Yeah, I also grew up uh in public education i feel uh, and in florida which I, I never i don't think about this very often and we've talked about it a little bit but i florida is like the benchmark for bad public education <laughs> is what i'm realizing <laughs> and even to the point where now like it's forbidden to talk about lgbtq issues or critical race theory and all this stuff like that's legislated yeah. right now yeah. like um it, in my I still I'm hopeful because I feel like a lot of my teachers were really 
um, not even just progressive, but they like, they felt like that was still part of their responsibility to share with us. So I feel like a lot of my teachers who were LGBTQ or did have a lot of passion for teaching history the right way and whatever, like they would tell us all these things, you know, history is written by the victors. Uh, you know, the colonialism was bad. Just pointing it out. But no, we, we talked yeah. about some of yeah. that, but I feel like it was still, uh, like I still didn't realize the extent to which I was in it. Like yeah. that, that we were experiencing the history written by the victors that yeah. we were, uh, yeah. Like, so I feel like that was, I, I liked school most of the way through. I think elementary school was great. I had good friends, uh, middle school as well. I started to learn how to be creative. I, I mm -hmm. think like I had, I had really good teachers all the way through. Oh. Uh, like I'm really glad for that. Yeah. Like, cause they, they encouraged our creativity and, um, tried to make sure we were like digesting the information, I think, which right. was good. But, um, but yeah, the more I learned the, I mean, obviously, the more you learn, the more you realize that you didn't learn, and the, and that's fine. That's what life is for. You you keep learning yeah. all the time, and that's that's good. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I'm frustrated when I think back on the curriculum and and all this, uh, and I and I wonder like different ways that could be better. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think in terms of just personal experience, I liked high school as well. I definitely was also involved in click behavior and I wasn't, I wasn't much of a, a partier. I wasn't very like cool quote unquote. Like I mostly high school is where I learned how to use Adobe illustrator because I would go home every day and, uh, and do that for hours instead of doing anything fun. But I actually really had a good time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. But when I think about, uh, like the curriculum from that time, like I said, my my history teachers were really good about telling us that history was written by the victors and that a lot of times from america's perspective that it was us so well, we had the same with like the golden century in the netherlands where it's like depicted as the golden century where the dutch economy flourished and dutch commer commerce really started popping off yeah but it was actually the point where we just started you know trading in people and started our colonization conquest yeah but it's still called the golden age which is really weird yeah i feel like beyond human conquest and like um conquest over peoples and all that which was again it's frustrating to me how much of the curriculum was based on that but i think about it all the time how we learn to use this unfettered rationality like everything is mathematical everything is is scientific and if it's not it's invalid um we learn about scientific conquest over nature and all these conflicts that always result in war like how we can't deal with anything in any other way but war that was the main message from history i feel like yeah <laughs> yeah like it, everything just ends in in a war and i don't i don't even know it didn't seem like everything ends in a war it just felt to me as we were learning history like it was just continuous war Mm -hmm. for all of time which when that so like when we get to where we are now it feels like that's the only way we solve problems which is like a little it's it's overwhelming to me sometimes where you just think or what i think sometimes they never prepared us to think about um geopolitical issues any other way like we still perpetuate our incapability to have conflict because we 
But th- this quote, again, I think I'm taking that from a quote uh, from Pete Rollins. War is not conflict. It's the inability to have conflict, mm-hmm. which I love because, yeah, he's basically saying war arises when conflicts are not properly addressed or resolved when we are unable to communicate properly. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah. yeah so I, I feel, you know, we were not really prepared to communicate properly, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like, they always just teach us, oh, this war happened and it was yeah. bad. And this one yeah. happened and we won. congratulations to us and then it's like so then we're kind of glorifying it not all the time but it's like it feels like a like a story instead of like a like a a lesson that we should be learning yeah you know like so yeah of course it's important to learn about history and about wars but if you just bring it like this it's just negative news all day right like also just trying to give some upsides or some 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 alternatives then yeah because now you're being like you learn that this this was the only way things were solved. Yep. And it's the same it with makes it hard to imagine anything else. Yeah. Like, co- you know, collaboration effort mm-hmm. for for peace is like just not even really discussed as an option. Which, yeah, it's frustrating to me. But, um, yeah, I don't know. And that's that's the thing too. I mean, any any time that you get group work in school i feel like that is that's the way they try to tell you and show you from a young age like that you have to work as part of a team in life like that through life you will have to work as part of a group um but i feel like all these cliques that we form in school radiate into the greater patterns of society like our, our world is divided in a lot of ways by ethnicity and gender and age and i'm curious how you think we could encourage more intergenerational intercultural teamwork from an early age because i feel even in school we we tended to you tend to pick your group based on your friends and that's all you know like you you pick people that are like you a lot of times and all this so like how how do we prepare ourselves better and i'm gonna let you just talk for a couple minutes if you if you feel comfortable like i'm curious how you think we can do some of these things better as a childhood education somebody who's passionate about this yeah um, so yeah, how to increase, how to decrease the de- uh, polarization. Yeah. Um, first of all, I think we should start by trying to really decrease the amount of private schools that we're having. Um, because for the first reason, of course, um, you know, if you get a separation based on income. Class. Class. Yeah. Then, um, you know, there will be more income to private schools, blah, blah. So those children will benefit from higher education or more quality education. Right. And at the same time, if you've got <laughs> children from school A and children from school B and school A is performing higher because there's more funding for this, then you will get inequality. Sure. And also there's like, you know, the fact that people from one ethnicity might go to one school more frequently than the other. Mm-hmm. And so this is literally like, you know, people are not getting into t- into touch anymore. Yeah. So then that's causing inequality, but also polarization. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you got like um, more like a Islamic school versus a Catholic school, True. And those children are not like talking to each other. Yeah, and so when they grow up, they form their own friendship groups and their, their social networks and those are not connected at all. Yeah. And you actually see this in the Netherlands as well. Like according to research, um, you know, during elementary school, there's a lot of mixing between friends. Like you got uh, friends that are like children that are Muslim, that are Christian, whatever, atheist, everything's playing together, everyone. Yeah. And then at high school, in the Netherlands at least, you see that like as soon as children or teenagers hit the age when they start drinking, um, you see that 
those friendships actually like tear apart because like the ones that are not drinking because of their religion mm-hmm. are suddenly not hanging out anymore with the ones that are drinking. Yeah. Interesting. But that well, that that's a hard one though. That, for that one, I don't have the solution at the moment. Like, that's how do you, that it seems to happen yeah. earlier here than in the states? Because mm. for I mean, people drink in high school in the states too. But I, I wouldn't say that. I, I wouldn't say I saw that as an experience, although it was probably there to some extent. Yeah, yeah me neither. But like, yeah. so it does say so. Yeah. Um, and then for other ways, so depolarization. Yeah. Yeah. I I like what you said too about I mean. I think there's value to having a community like you're like-minded people and somebody people in your religion and whatever. Um, but yeah, it's interesting just that Catholic schools, Islamic schools, whatever we, we do separate ourselves early. Yeah. yeah. Which and it's weird. Primes us for yeah. a life of separation. Yeah, it does. And that, but at the same time, like, don't get me wrong. Like if you get a, for instance, you're, you're, you're a Muslim, Muslim student in a, in a white school, and there's no representation for you at all. Like there's right. only white, white teachers teaching about Dutch um, practices that like the you don't era. you don't feel connected to at all. <laughs> so the fact that these schools are there, yeah. that's amazing in that regard. For like for the teacher-student relationships, st- stuff like this. But it would be better if we just got schools that were good for everybody, that were representative for everybody. Yeah. Um, so that, so that's actually the next point. Like diversify the amount of teachers that we have. Mm-hmm. If you diversify the amount of teachers, uh, there will be more students that feel connected. Yeah, um, I would think that you would ne- you wouldn't necessarily need to find connection with likely what people that are like you, uh-huh. because you already feel more connected in the classroom yeah, itself, true. right? Like, um, I think naturally, you know, in some way, I think we all know as kids that we're that all the other kids around you are like you. Like, but I think you start to learn through little microaggressions micro like little interactions with people yeah. that you that you're different yeah. or that that you're not valued the same yeah. way or that yeah like so i feel like yeah i like i like the idea diversifying the the teaching staffs but also yeah getting everyone in the same i mean and i went to a pretty diverse public school you know like i feel like i was i got to see diversity in my classes and stuff but but yeah it's interesting how we still like separate even within that context into yeah yeah that is weird and like um and some of it is on and just connection like kids with the same experiences tend to connect with each other which is nice but also again it's just as it as it grows and expands through life it it gets more and more um primary as our experience i guess yeah yeah Yeah. see like like it's it's actually like um i think we evolved to find likewise people more attractable yeah. it's called the similarity effect it's like one of the most widespread psychological finding yeah people are attracted to people that are similar on personal political uh whatever attribute right, right. there is so yeah inevitably inevitably will will form clusters will form groups of people that are like-minded people that feel attracted to each other but then i think it's our responsibility to during education to actually like try to still mix these groups together because otherwise, over time, these groups will grow apart. Yeah. Uh, communities will start forming. And if these communities are not connected, then that's polarization. Yeah. Think. When we're not talking, we don't understand each other. You know, like... When we're not talking, we don't understand each other. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's... that's I like the those ideas in terms of how school can be set up a little better. Uh, in terms of 
curriculum and teaching like mm-hmm. what are some things you think we should be teaching instead of what we of the of the histories and the uh methods and stuff we learn now yeah so you know coming back to the the things we were saying for how to try to solve the problem with ADHD by yeah. trying to equip children better with the tools mm-hmm. um but now we're talking about I high love school that, by the way yeah Teaching children to be mindful from a young age. That That's it. Like, geez. try to incorporate mindfulness in high school. If we could do this, then... How do you see that happening? What, what would that... What, so just, just as a practice, what do you think One that would disclaimer like? for everybody out there. We are in a learning crisis right now. We have two little uh, teachers. We have two big classrooms. And students are still recovering from corona. So yeah. anything we are saying right now, <laughs> you cannot just do this tomorrow. There's... No, and then this is just ideas. So too. we're just I giving mean, ideas. We're just, just, ta- just, <laughs> just as a warning. Just to just play. We're not ignorant. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, but so okay, so yeah, so how to? Like, I'm genuinely curious. I I think yeah. about it a lot, and you you're a little more practical than I am. So I'm curious mm-hmm. how you how you would put this maybe into yeah. practice. So so yeah, how to include mindfulness during class? Um, you know, in, in in the Netherlands we have mentor lessons. So these are classes where you got one kind of tutor who's asking everybody, "Yo, everybody's still okay." You weren't there during class. Uh, you, yeah. you guys got an exam week coming up. How's everybody? How's everything going? So these classes are already, you know, designated to uh, to, to serve for the, the the class atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and so it might be idea to just do like a mindful workshop. You don't have to necessarily, you know, do like a mindful test and stuff, but just one class, one one workshop where everybody tries mindfulness, mm-hmm. and then. Um, is offered the tools to further do it at home, things like this. Trying mindfulness too. Does that mean like, I I don't know, like meditating or like what what is like? I had a class at university yeah. where we just literally sit down and meditated, and really? it was weird, but it was the best experience ever because like there was this, this this instructor telling us do this right now and it'll be good and yeah, it was hard to actually to 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 give yourself up for it. Yeah, but once you do it, it's I mean it's funny. Because I, I feel like it'd be hard to get a lot of like third graders to like sit still for five minutes. Yeah, but so I, that's but it's well. funny. <laughs> I mean, when I think about it, it's school in general, right? As it stands right now is like trying to prime kids to sit still for eight hours. It's uh, it's kind of training you to be an employee, like to work in a certain context. And I feel like if we change the way work works, which it already is, like work is changing already. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like school kind of needs to grow to match that and like i think people are realizing in their work that they need to have more emphasis on mental health and on um yeah talking to each other talking to a psychologist all this stuff so i feel like we could integrate that too at Mm -hmm. a younger age so that so that when we get to the workplace or we get to whatever society you are socialized into that you're ready to be you're ready to be there and yeah. ready to be healthy there. Yeah. Cause yeah, yeah, I think yeah. a lot of people, including myself and including many of the people I talk to are ill prepared in some way yeah. for, for the world that we've come yeah. into. Yeah. And because right now we need 21st century skills and that's actually one way in which education should change. Um, it's described very nicely by Harari and uh, 21st century uh, skills for 21st century problems. And the thing is like yeah so if you think about language learning right we're learning french at high school you're learning a bunch of words learning a bunch of stuff to say yeah but at least for me personally i didn't really learn how to speak it until i went to france and actually tried to speak it yeah um and so we're learning 
in a way that makes you able to to reproduce a lot of information without necessarily to use the information or to think critically about the information. Um, and in an era where you can just get summaries of books with JGPT, information is available everywhere. How would you go with this information? We need to learn how to think critically about the information. That, I'm really glad that you said that too, cause, and, and that you said the word information, because I heard recently, I think this might have been in Byung-Chul Han or uh, somewhere, but that artificial intelligence is not, it, that's information, it's not knowledge. Like, right. it, you're, just because you can find facts doesn't make it part of your mm-hmm. embodied or uh, learned knowledge. Like, yeah, ingesting that, digesting that, really trying to integrate that into your, your being is the what makes it something that you know. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, yeah, that's so then that's one part of it. But then, so 21st century skills. Yeah. There are four C's, critical thinking, creativity, communication, and collaboration. These are the things you need when you arrive at the job you just described, right? Sure. Like you're you're being primed to sit down for eight hours, yeah. but you're not being primed to actually think creatively about the information that you just examined critically yeah. and how to communicate to the ones you're collaborating with. Uh-huh. Um, I think that's something we should learn. We should be focusing on way more. I do not know right now how to do this because this really sounds like, okay, just change everything. Yeah. Um, but these will be the things that are getting more and more important actually. Yeah. And the more we talk about it, the more it becomes part of it. You know, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the goal here, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so thinking about specific courses or specific things we should include in the curriculum. Yeah. Ma- mindfulness, like we said. Yeah. Uh, emotional learning, just... Oh, I totally agree. Self-regulation. These are all words right. that are related to ADHD still, so... Yeah, true. Self-regulation, emotional regulation, critical thinking. Yeah, um, it's it's that's so true, like, the learning to regulate more of that from a younger age like would make us better at dealing with distraction and dealing with the inundation of information all the time because it's yeah then you know how to how to give yourself what you need mm-hmm. which is so important i feel yeah, like yeah, yeah yeah perhaps we shouldn't even be talking about high school but like we should start in implementing mindfulness at like elementary or oh something. that's that's what i mean too. yeah like that's even better. high school is is very transformative and yeah. but it's late like it, it is elementary school i feel like is where i formed a lot of the habits that i have not because you know i was forced into any of them I, it's just you you that's when they start socializing you into mm-hmm. whatever like and you don't think about it much at that time so yeah. i feel like if if our curriculums were set up a little bit more to prepare us emotionally and um yeah and, and in a like again, I had physical education, and I had, I I didn't even have sex education to be honest. Mm. Really, there was like one day in middle school where we talked about what? sex education, <laughs> and this is not a joke. That's a whole different topic, but that's even worse. Yeah, but I mean, like, sex education, I think needs to be more yeah. part of it. Emotional yeah. education, like the parts of life that we actually engage with on a day to day basis. Yeah, again, history is important. Math is important. It's it's true, but like, we but now that a lot of that is computerized and um like algorithmic whatever like that all we we still need to know how to do it and i believe that but like um but yeah i think because all of that is now so um ubiquitous and inundating Mm -hmm. i really wish that i had been better prepared to deal with all of this emotionally yeah and and from a mental health 
perspective because now I'm now I'm a little lost sometimes as to like how I'm supposed to orient myself to this new world yeah yeah no I I agree like I'm not I don't think I'm applying my math knowledge that much at this age but if I was if, if someone taught me to how to do with bad thoughts and and how to be more mindful about stuff yeah I mean that's the thing that's the biggest challenge doing university honestly like all the information is there just get yourself to it and try not to be distracted that much by yeah social influences by friends by anything really yeah i still like it's honestly i'm starting to use math again more in my mind like but i wish that i learned it later or may, maybe that there was yeah. a more customizable setup for kids like where i could have chosen to put math on the back burner for mm -hmm. a while while i learned other things and then mm -hmm. come to it as i was ready for it because I really think for a while I was just sitting in math, like not understanding a word or number yeah. and, <laughs> and being like, I don't, I'm not, I don't know what this means. I don't know what you're even trying to yeah. relay to me. Yeah. Like, but, but certain things like history and language and all that, like made sense to me. Yeah. So I feel like it's not, that, again, I, uh, I don't think they should ignore one subject and yeah. be like, well, you're a math kid or you're a history kid. No, but, but I think being able to, choose sort of the timing of your learning would be nice uh and again you're a child so sometimes you don't know mm -hmm. how to make those choices for yourself but even for your parents to be able to recognize that or your mm -hmm. teachers to be able to recognize that be cool it's a hard one because just an like idea in the netherlands we do got montessori schools and those are schools where children are able to choose their own subjects and stuff mm. but one of the biggest critiques is like how can a child knows what what's good for it right him or her um, <laughs> yeah. and I mean, I agree. Like, I, I, yeah. I didn't like math at all. Yeah. Uh, but just in general, I, I like I'm a very interested person, so I, I basically like everything. So now I'm a math uh, tutor, right? And I'm yeah. tutoring this kid, and I'm trying to explain to them, "Yo, this is cool," because now this really, you know, <laughs> it's logic. It, it's really making sense. And yeah. It's just like he want to do technical university, so I think he is gonna be interested in this stuff. But at the moment, he's just like, "I don't care, dude. I just need to get a grade and." I got different courses, right? Right. That's the biggest problem. Like, how to motivate children when they're just stressed out by all yeah. the different stuff they're experiencing. This is not my only subject, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I have five classes. Right yes, now. Yeah, ten of six. them, and so many ten tests of them. coming oh up. No, I don't know. I know. Oh, yeah. hard. I don't could know. Could be. Could be. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I had seven most most yeah. years. Like, yeah. So, it's yeah. a lot. It's a lot on you as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And then, indeed, the sitting still stuff. Like we're not made to sit still for so long. No, and you can see it when uh, when you combine like physical educate. Well, yeah, physical activity with language learning. There's these studies done on children that were learning uh, a second language, and when they did so outside with a group activity with some physical activity, they remembered words so much better. And that's also just because there's this this more rich experience and 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 memory created around mm. this this learning yeah whereas we're just sitting at the same room same day yeah how can it even be like effective like i don't know i mean there's no richness to these memories of words you're just pressing them down one for one yeah i i know it's cynical to to see it totally as like that they're preparing you for the workplace mm -hmm. it's i know it's not all that way and i know they they try to make it as holistic as possible yeah but i do think they they try to do it as efficiently as possible as mm -hmm. well which is like well Here's the here's the things we need to that they need to know to be yep. in the society, and we're gonna just sit them down all together in a room, and we're gonna tell them all this stuff, 
And I feel like a lot of it sinks in, but a lot of it just doesn't. And no. and the more you sit still just getting restless and antsy as an eight-year-old, like looking out the window, like seeing a, a different class outside at recess or something, and you're like, yeah. oh my God, I want to be out there so bad. Like they're playing baseball, yeah. whatever, you know. Like, How can uh, we even call it a distraction? It's like, it's, I don't know, it's also good. Yeah, like it's, it's like, uh, I don't know, so... But it's hard. I wish we were outside you know? more, you know. And I wish, I wish it too. Honestly, then, speaking of outside, I wish we learned more about nature. Like, oh yeah, I I feel like and and about how to integrate. Again, this has not been a, a a. Dude, what's the word? A priority. Mm-hmm. This has not been a priority of our society to like teach us how to be in harmony with nature. We we learn and we talk about it in the classes I'm in now science is great because it gives us the capability to have control in nature. Like it gives us capability to control nature to some yep. extent. I hate that idea so much. I really do. Even when mm-hmm. I hear it now, I'm like to think that we are control, like to think that we are not a part of nature enough to control yep. it for it. Just, it. it's like, it feels like we're ignoring part of ourselves. It's like we, and, and to think that we can't, like all these climate change issues we talk about now, even still that we talk about climate change as something that seems like still outside of us. I'm like, (laughs) we are like, this is our problem inside of ourselves. Like, I just really think there's, there needs to be a better way from an early age to learn about nature and to learn how we, I don't know. I'm, I'm really starting to like the ideas of like, uh, this is from a um, space 10 Ikea's, uh, research and design group okay. that does yeah. like urban planning kind of research. Okay. Um, they, they released this report recently called the regenerative home and it, uh, it's a sort of a, a big document that talks about how we could learn to build our homes in a way that gives back to nature, um, homes and cities, I guess. Right. Like yeah. the, your houses would generate energy that feeds back to the grid that, um, that we're harvesting our materials that we build with in a way that is more recycling right. based and all this using stuff. using rooftops for for planning and planning. more localized yeah. yeah like using the trees in our neighborhood to build things instead yeah. of the tr- like importing trees from Sweden yeah. or whatever yeah like all this stuff it just uh, I'm starting to love the idea of like yeah. l- learning what our food sources are locally learning what our uh, yeah, what building materials we have locally and how we can use all of these things. I, I don't know. I started to think riding through Amsterdam, all the all the bricks and the um and the bike paths and stuff all mm-hmm. have this reddish they do, yeah. Like texture. Yeah. Um color texture. I ride over them, I think that's mud. Like this is mud from Amsterdam. Like this is mud from the ground here cuz this is a swamp too. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm like maybe this is cuz I played so much Minecraft that I really think about that. <laughs> but but I really think about it all the time. I'm like, yeah, yeah. somebody had to make these bricks out of yep. mud. And that you ride through Amsterdam and it's all brick. I just think about that a lot where I'm like, I wish in Florida we were educated on how to use the sand that we have so much of to like yeah. make materials that could be used for infrastructure things. Like instead yeah. of importing massive amounts of concrete from wherever and yeah. and and building that way. Like if there was a way... This is kind of even beside the point, I guess, but it's no, it's I, it's like being I wish mindful. we learned earlier how to yeah. be good designers, mm. I guess, like how to use our environments to 
to create yeah to uh, like to continue to create our cities and towns and whatever for ourselves yeah. like how to develop in a sustainable way and how to not um exploit all the resources we have yeah, all yeah, yeah. the energy we have all the whatever yeah all the food how to not waste so much food yeah like yeah i don't know yeah so so the first thing i wanted to say is like okay yeah i agree but i think I, for me it will be more important to start focusing on being mindful about it being sure. mindful where your food is from being mindful about where uh, from a young age right another thing so you're like, saying we shouldn't teach elementary schoolers how to build sidewalks no <laughs> not <laughs> okay. necessarily okay i see your point let them just make lego lego buildings <laughs> and just break them down okay <laughs> nothing too serious about it all right all right i get that I no no no, no keep but, going no, yeah. but i'm thinking like okay perhaps you know just i mean okay imagine just telling a preschooler okay we're gonna do some mindful class now be mindful about something i don't know how this this class should look <laughs> but perhaps we should actually incorporate like these practical stuff like this physical lessons where you actually start building your own this and that from this and that sand and mm -hmm. from local stuff i don't know but i think it's important definitely. i think of this uh tick not han uh meditation about peeling an orange like mm. where he just says like the every like this is almost works as a mindful a mindfulness exercise for kids like because you just each step of peeling the orange you just you think about where the yeah. orange came from you think about yeah um that this is a gift yeah. that you get to eat from nature all this stuff like yeah i don't know that would have i mean you're gonna be training attention with this right like if yeah. the whole idea of just that we're getting more distracted but if you're having a kid and you're having like this mandarin peeling exercise once a week where you're just for five minutes long you're just focused on nothing else but the mandarin and where it's from yeah i am i don't know any that's research. deep attention i mean it should contemplative it should. attention yeah yeah it should train it i think i want to do research about this right now that would be cool actually yeah that would be very cool yeah um mindfulness would be good from a young age i think i think there are parents who do that well mm -hmm. of course like but uh, i mean and my parents did pretty well with that from time to time i feel like they um were helpful to in, me in terms of managing my stress levels i in think what, but in what ways um I just remember whenever I would be so overwhelmed by all the homework that I had and I was sitting at, at the kitchen table, you know, sort of panicking about all the things I had to do. And, and this is an ADHD thing that uh, a friend and I talk about a lot too. When you get so overwhelmed by the amount of tasks that you have to do and you can't focus on any one thing in mm -hmm. particular. I used to get that way with math problems. Like mm -hmm. I would think I have history to do. I have this book to read. I have all this stuff to do. And I can't even do my math homework. And this is the first thing I need to do. Yeah. And I would just start crying at the table. Uh, like, like <laughs> I just, I don't know where to start, yeah. you know? And my dad would be like, okay, well, this is not going to help you. <laughs> right now, what you're doing is not going to, nope. you're not going to finish your math like this. So he'd be like, either you, either you figure out, like, <laughs> I don't know. Again, it's hard to deal with this kind of emotions, especially with a kid, but. I think it would be like either you do it now or you do it in the morning, like before school. Mm -hmm. And if you need to take the time now and go to sleep or like go do what, you know, go rest. Yeah. Like, and then do this later. Like that is an option. You do need to do it. Like you have to, you have to have this done for tomorrow, but like, but he gave you the autonomy. Yeah. To, to yeah. choose if I was too overwhelmed to, right. to do it right now. And I think I still do that for myself. I still, um, 
when I'm really overwhelmed and I can't pick a thing to do. I think I'm a little better capable, uh, a little more capable now of, you know, picking something because I'm, I might be able to recognize that pattern, but, um, but I think sometimes I still just go, okay, well, I'm not in the state to do this, which again, that would be amazing if we learned that in school, if they taught us at school, if you can't do your homework, fucking rest. (laughs) If children can be aware of their state. Yeah. Then I think that the world would look very different. Oh my gosh! Yeah. People would be aware of their anger, of their of their sadness, of the way they're reacting because of their state at that moment. That would be amazing. I think the way your father handled that sounded pretty nice. The only bad thing about this stuff is that, like, yeah, we got deadlines, so sometimes we cannot wait. Which That's why I'm still not good bad. at deadlines. Yeah. <laughs> I, see. <laughs> I see. No, yeah. Uh, no, it's true though. Yeah. Nice. I don't know. I feel like we've covered a lot of stuff. I feel like this is, let's see what we got on time. It's been an hour and seven minutes. Pretty good. I don't know how long that'll make this, mm-hmm. you know, but Probably I feel like five it's minutes. been a good talk and, <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, is, is there anything else you want to, to share or to add? Hmm. Yeah. Like anything I'm saying about education, we just need more teachers. Teachers are overworked. Teachers are overstressed. Um, we need to decrease their workload so that they can just do the job that they always wanted to do. How could we incentivize more teachers? Because in America, we pay them nothing. We don't either. Wow. We should give Almost them. like that's a problem. Yeah. And I mean, like, if you if you want to give payments to jobs that reflect important society, oh then God. teachers should be millionaires, in my opinion. Because I really they, agree. They are, like, responsible for the future. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, again i i'm almost tempted to get cynical and 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 like conspiratorial and feel like like they're not being paid for that reason you know Mm. like i don't i again it's it's not i don't think that we mean to be like i think sometimes we accidentally conspire i think sometimes we accidentally like make life way harder for ourselves and and way worse in the long run because we fail to see the long-term effects of decisions now like i think a lot of time uh, in america at least like we take funding away from teachers first in any recession or whatever and it's like and from education in general which is just so stupid to me like again you're you're right like this is the you're you're taking funding away from the future indirectly or kind of directly like like for everybody else because like if future participants are like annoying people because i don't know they're like didn't know how to handle with their emotions and stuff then like you're bothering the rest of the world as well yeah we're bothering yeah. everybody by we're bothering ourselves people. like we're making this w- way harder on ourselves yeah. in the long run but because I think, like just like from a political standpoint and from a populistic standpoint it just does not benefit to invest in the future that much otherwise we would have solved climate change already we we want to get them vote right yeah next elections coming up i know that's uh, it's depressing to me sometimes, but I I love again since we're both optimists and we've established this. I like that we both can see the the potential of the future and mm-hmm. the potential of education to to prepare us better yeah. for for the future, yeah. even as the future becomes more overwhelming. Because again, um, just I don't know. We've talked about it we're we're gonna see more and more there's more and more information to take in all the time um 
yeah and then that that is scary to me sometimes but i think yeah i think if we prepare ourselves better and and prepare ourselves to treat ourselves better to prepare ourselves to like um to be more mindful yeah to be more intentional to be more accepting to slow down a little to to accept others for where they are and who they are even if you know they don't want to achieve you know to the extent that we expect people to achieve whatever and the way we define success by the way achievement is like not nearly as important as we think it is exactly yeah i don't know there there's there's hope there is hope that's all i have to say really that's that's how i'd like to end you know my two cents i guess but it was it was a blast i loved it oh me too yeah and uh yeah thank you for for being here with us to the one person listening yeah no problem all right that's gonna be me tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) all right well thank you luke no problem dude yeah